to the Butter Chicken Podcast, hosted by DJ Sherrod and DJ Juicy. Ooh. We focus on the stories of individuals who are making great impact in society and culture. The Butter Chicken Experience is well-cooked, thought-provoking conversation. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the vibes. You got the culture? Yes, 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 party people, New York City and worldwide. It's your boy, DJ Sherrod. And DJ Juicy, baby. What's up, Sherrod? We back again with the Butter Chicken Podcast. You already know. Yeah, man. Another week. Looking forward to this one today. Are you looking forward to this one? I am, man. I am. I'm looking extremely forward to this one, my friend. I want to talk to you about something. Before we do that, man, I just want to let you know, bro, I just DJed a party. Okay. I came from a party and I'm a little tired, so I think you might have to work a little extra harder today. No, that's bro, okay with you. It, it comes naturally to you, bro. Trust me. Just got to get you warmed up a little bit. Oh, yeah? <laughs> but I, I genuinely do want to talk warmed to you about Warmed up like today. some butter chicken on the stove? Of course, bro. You got to have it hot, man. You know, All right. Um, it's crazy to me. Um, I was thinking about this actually on, on the way over here, how us as South Asians kind of... Um, Finding our identity, and we, we talk about that on previous episodes and things like that, being, you know, uh, children of immigrants in, in New York specifically and, in, you know, in the, in the Western Hemisphere. But there's this, um, like, stigma, not stigma, rather, I want to say, it, there's this perception mm-hmm. in, in Indian society, both back home and over here now, mm-hmm. <clears throat> where men are, I guess, considered superior in the household to women. Which kind of irks me a little bit, and I want to talk to you it about that. Irks a little you bit. a little bit, yeah, because because yeah. I'm very much like pro equality, um, and I've seen it firsthand in my house. Like my dad's the head of the household, and my mom cooks the meals and does the laundry, and is a typical old household, Indian household, old school Indian housewife. Okay. And in fact, it's it's so crazy that never in my life have I ever heard her even call my dad by his first name. What is what does she call him? She'll she'll reference him as like listen or are you there? She won't ever say his first name. Really? Yeah. Oh, my mom goes at it. Yeah. So my well, my, my mom runs shit. Well, she's also your mom was was born in Africa but moved to to London later on, right? My mom's Indian but of uh, born in East Africa, Kenya. Yep. And then Went to London and was raised in the West right. with five other sisters and two brothers and pa- father passed away. So my mom's mom actually ran the house. Got it. So she it's has a little different. Right. Exactly. So for me, it's like just kind of understanding everybody else's experience. And I feel like, you know, and this is something that actually that I speak to with my wife about is like, how do we change that? How do we change that? that- I mean, I heard you talking to your wife in the car when I was on the phone with you and you didn't even think she was capable to order Uber Eats. No, I did not. Like let, let's, my be clear. G. let's be clear. Let's my be clear. My G, you really believe in I, equality I, I or are you said, just talking shit? I said, I said, should we handle that or or do they? should they handle that, basically? I didn't know. Don't fucking put words in my mouth. Stop it. Bro. Stop My it. wife heard it too. Stop it. Like, of course she could handle I that. Take it's it. or Uber Eats. Bro, you can fucking order that shit on your phone. That Bro. shit is light work. All right. Now, now you're putting words in my mouth. You're <laughs> twisting not. scenarios we'll around. Bring them in. 
in. I'm not. Okay. I'm, okay. But, but no. The reality, but, see, but see, the I think you were probably I'd doing so, it as a nice gesture. Yeah, like, I want to take care of her. Should we? Okay. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Okay. Not not that she's not capable. Okay. Fair enough. That fair it enough. was it was me being caring. That's Actually, what, it was. what I like to do, just what I've noticed, is I like to just whatever you say, I like to say the opposite. Well, that's, I mean, that's pretty much our a story for forever <laughs> and ever, right? Absolutely. But yeah, I, I agree with with um, women being equal in the household and in the workplace and. Everywhere, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think there should be a difference. Uh, I think, in many cases and in many spaces that we're in, there is a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's slowly changing and getting to this fifty-fifty that we'd all like to see. But I'm a firm believer in everyone's equal. And if and and I, 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 so we share that same sentiment. But I think that um, more so on, on the Western Hemisphere, it's kind of still kind of lingering. But in India, it's like so prevalent still. It's crazy to me. Sure. Um, sure. So I just think that it's it's kind of one of let's it's for me at least. Let me speak for myself. It's like my one of my responsibilities to educate others. I think to shed light on equality and how men and women are equal and they should be equal and they have equal say in everything and, and everything else. So yeah, I agree. Each one teach one, and yep. I think it's important to teach our children, the youth, people around us that. There should be no difference, and everyone should be given the same opportunities. Um, where you, you said you DJed somewhere earlier. Where, where you? Where were you? Where were you? I did. I DJed at um, Anita Dongre Grassroot, uh, their brand new store. Well, the Anita Dongre uh, boutique, right? First ever South Asian boutique, um, not pop up, but first full fledged South Asian couture boutique in Soho in history. So pa- this is that's pow- powerful. It's a powerful move. Yeah. And when I was there, I actually ran into someone that's doing some major, major things, my, my guy. T- what type of things? And who is this person, Sharad? This person, actually, I think you should introduce her. Because you, my friend, have the pronunciation of the long name perfected. Because I believe it's Hindu Punjabi, but we're going to actually ask about We're going to ask. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we have CEO and co-founder of Brown Girl Magazine, Trisha Sakujawalia. Did I say that right? Absolutely. Beautiful. I've Welcome. been butchering it all day. <laughs> welcome to the show. <laughs> thank you for having me. Oh, big up, big up, big, big up. up. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to the Butter Chicken Podcast. I just friend. had the best butter chicken dinner. We got to, like, th- so actually this is the, s- the second time we've actually had butter chicken here. And it's becoming more and more popular. I think, you know, just the smell of it. People are coming into the it kitchen. It just makes sense. It does make sense. I think so, too. It's the best welcoming. It is, definitely. Food is, is one of those, like, universal languages where everyone can kind of just uh, relate to, right? So um, thank you so much for coming here today. But before that, did you yeah. like the butter? Like you said, it was, it was the best? Was it the best ever? Or were you just, like, saying that, like, in conversation? Was I it good? G- one, I've been running around all day, so I think that made it even better. But mm-hmm. two, the fact that you guys have a podcast called Butter Chicken and I was eating it a million times better than any butter chicken. <laughs> yeah, so last week we had butter chicken. Uh, shout out to our boy Gaurav Anand, who owns so many restaurants. Mm-hmm. Aroka, but I think that was from Aroka. That was. That was the bone-in butter chicken. Right. And today the butter chicken was brought courtesy of Benares. Benares, that's nice. right. Which is our boy Karan's restaurant, who found your wallet. So he says. <laughs> <laughs> he helped. He helped. He, he assisted. Helped. Yeah. So I think it's just becoming a thing here where at the Butter Chicken Podcast, like, we just need to have butter chicken. It's just, it's a vibe, you know? Absolutely. I'm all about it. Did you have rice or naan with it? I did have rice. I, I like to avoid the naan because, you know, my nails get dirty. 
That's a girly thing. Mm, wow. <laughs> my nails get dirty too, and they smell like mafia. And they're yes. yellow. They become yellow because the taldi inside of it. Well, yeah, which is turmeric. So, would you believe that I love butter chicken? But I made sure to not eat any rice, any naan, and I only had one bite of the butter chicken. I believe it. I'm well, so proud of that. It's because the camera's on, right? <laughs> no, it's honestly because I'm being I'm making a conscious effort to Absolutely. watch what I eat. I'm, I'm I gen- didn't eat at Anita Dongre's opening today. Mm. You should have eaten there because it was uh, brought brought. Really good food, and it was a lot of vegetarian It options. looked amazing. Really good. I just, like, ugh. I have a thing with just, like, eating and talking and walking. It's tough. Completely feel it's you. Tough. It's like I can only handle one I thing. <laughs> I actually have no shame. I'll eat. I'll have a stuffed mouth with food, and I'll be eating dokla while having a conversation. <laughs> that dokla looked amazing. In a glass, in a cup. Presentation's yeah. everything. Yeah, I just turn my head, finish chewing, and then once I'm done, I'm like, all right, back to the, back to the conversation. As DJs, we get to a lot of places early, so we typically, like, yeah. we typically will eat, like, before everybody else or after everybody else. Or, or ask the caterer for a plate and just kind of put it next you know, to on the low, low right <laughs> under the turntable. Absolutely. It's like, turn around, eat a kebab, oh, play the next song. We're good. Yeah, um, so uh, Trisha, so, welcome. Thank you for having me, guys. For real. You guys do like amazing, phenomenal work that the fact that you're doing a podcast on top of this is beyond. Oh, we're popping. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Are you kidding? We're popping out here. You guys are doing so many amazing things. So kudos to you. Thank you. I so want to ask you guys questions. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Ask us one question and we start. Well, <clears throat> I had an amazing conversation with your wives about just the balance, you know, because you guys are out literally what? 40 weekends out of the 52, whatever we have in the year. It's insane. I work harder than Juicy, so I don't know. know. (laughs) There we go. There we go. I mean, for me, it's just like, (laughs) how do you keep a happy married life being DJs? That's like the hardest thing ever. I can't imagine it. I think if you want me to take this one first. Uh, I mean, yeah, go ahead, All right. So for (laughs) for me, I don't have any children yet. And my wife is super supportive and super understanding. So I've heard. Yeah. So she, <laughs> uh, yeah, she she really is a champ and, and a trooper, um, and just deals with a lot of, of of me not being around. And and I I'm so thankful for that. So really, it's it's just kind of communication, um, and and really being completely outspoken about what's going on. Absolutely. Giving her my schedule, having access to my calendar, yeah. things like that. That really goes a long way because that. Well, then, A, you know, sometimes we'll avoid for us to even talk because she could just look and see what's going on. Absolutely. And then we plan accordingly around it. So um, it just, I think communication is a key to good balance. Yeah. And I, I'm actually the one asked her about this with kids because I, right. I don't know, like, I can't speak on that. Uh, I think for me, to be honest, I was pretty good at balancing it up until probably like January. Mm-hmm. And in January of this year, earlier this year, I just said, yo, I got to go a little stronger and go just just work a little harder for a few months. And that few months has now turned into like five months. So the last five months, I've actually been working way more than ever before, which is why I feel our entire movement of what we're doing is so popping. And I've done it and Nisha has been pretty supportive, but it's getting to the point where I actually have to pull back. And you have to realize that. That goes in male, male, female, whoever. At some point, you got to just, like, put the brakes on, turn off the phone, and, like, be come to reality. And understand, like, all this stuff we do in business, whatever we do, we work hard, we make money, we out. It's cool. We're in the limelight. We get so many dope places. We're in so many of the best places in the world. But ultimately... You got to understand what you work for, and that's your house, and that's your family, and that's your kids. 
So if you take it for granted and you just keep working, working, working and put your head down, it could lead to disaster. Mm-hmm. Nisha's been with me for over 10 years. Mm-hmm. So for she, she gets it, but I'm about to hit that point <laughs> where like if I don't slow down or hit the brakes or like take a two-week break or yeah, whatever. Not the hammer's coming down. It's just going to make her upset. I don't want to get to that point. I got you. So I'm about to reach that point. So we're about to chill out and take a week off and go on a plane I, I heard about. I heard about the vacation. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm... But you have to do those you, I things. I have to, absolutely. Wait, you you have go, to. You're going on vacation? Yes, I do. <laughs> I was going to tell you about that. And I need you to not go somewhere on June 9th. I need you to do the Spike Lee thing. Uh, you have to. I'm already booked. All right, then we'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll figure Erica it will out. run it. <laughs> Speaking of, Erica will run it. She's a powerful woman in our organization. Absolutely, yeah. And that's really, forget about us. We came to speak about women. Yes. Okay. Brown woman, we'll all woman. <laughs> yeah. But bottom line is, I believe, Juicy believes, and this is a fact, women have a lot of power. Women have the same strength, if not, in, in my opinion, actually greater strength and greater brain power I agree. to get things done efficiently if given the same opportunities. What do you think? Absolutely. I mean, the fact that we're given this big life, um, you know, gift to give birth, that in itself is so powerful. And and we don't get mm. to realize that. Bars. Bars. We, that's something we say here. Bars. I love that. Yeah. You know what bars are? When something is... Epic? I don't know. Yeah, bars. Yeah, rap bars. Yeah. Like cool. rappers speaking yes, bars. Yes, they speak in bars. Yes. Exactly. That's what I figured. Yeah. So bars. So when you say some dope shit, <laughs> bars or gems. Gems. Yeah. I'm going to go home saying bars. Yeah. <laughs> we, got, like we, got, we got mega holy chic to do that Aww. as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I for me, it's just we don't realize our own strength until many years later. And I think we're just um, ingrained not to realize it. It's just been a part of who we are. It's been a part of our history. But I think in the past five to ten years, we've taken a completely different turn. Mm. Um, And it's only because of the foundation that's been laid for us by the many feminists who didn't get to call themselves feminists. And Mm -hmm. now we get to proudly say that. And there's no stigma behind it anymore. Yeah. But, I mean, I distinctly remember when there was a stigma and when my guy friends would look at me weird and... They would think I'm like a, I don't know, like a typical like hairy underarm feminist type of person. And like, that's not who we are. You know, I'm not here to take your space. I just want to be your equal. Right. And now that's cool. Absolutely. Thank God. I know. Finally. Because even like. She said history, though. I think we need to get into her history. Yeah, we do. (laughs) Where do you come from culturally and how has that influenced your perspective on life? Sure. So I am Punjabi Hindu. Mm -hmm. um, And. <laughs> I don't know if I could do that good. <laughs> yeah, you could do that as good as me. I could try. No, I can't. <laughs> that was a tiny one. <laughs> Juicy does it the You best. guys get paid yeah. for this. So yes, we you do. guys have every to time do we it do really every well. time we do that we get five hundred dollars. There you go. There you go. <laughs> now, imagine we do it ten times the part is five grand. You know what that's called in Punjabi, right? Lalkara. Well, Thank you. Teach taught you something today, Shira. Each one teach one. Yeah. So please tell us. Yeah, so I grew up. Uh, well, I was actually born in Ferozabad, if you guys know it. It's a small town, very close to Agra. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and yeah, so, you know, we, I moved here when I was five. We grew up on the cusp of Long Island and Queens. Eventually, we did move out to Long Island. Um, and, I, you know, growing up, I 
told people that I was like half Christian, half Hindu. Were you? No, I'm full Hindu <laughs> because I just didn't want to like talk about it. And I grew up in Bayside originally, mm -hmm. which was like very Caucasian. and Very Asian too, right? Yes, very East Asian. Exactly. So what? This was like 25 plus years ago. Mm -hmm. There was no Indian girl. I mean, I got all questions. I'm sure as many of us have, like, are you Indian, like Native American? You know, I had my kindergarten teacher ask me what tribe I was from. Wow. You know, I brought... Bindi and Roti to like the first day of kindergarten and oh, of course was made fun of and did you still eat it? I didn't. You For did. the listeners that are non South Asian, Bindi is okra, okra. lady fingers, if you will. <laughs> lady fingers. <laughs> I'll never forget it. My mom gave me like those like tiny like caramel like toffees. Those are so good. The purple ones? The purple wrapper? I don't remember. The cadberries <laughs> from Duty Free? <laughs> yes, she did. we yes, had she just did. moved to the country you know did. maybe like two months ago mm -hmm. and yeah so i mean literally that i went home that day i was like mom we need this thing called peanut butter and jelly like i need peanut butter <laughs> jelly sandwiches and a few months later i learned what pizza was mm. um i oh, think your world changed at that yeah point. i think a couple of years later i learned what softball and soccer was i remember talking to my um gym teacher and i was like hi can you teach me like on the side what dodgeball is because that's what we'd play you know so i went through the like typical indian american experience so for many years i hid my punjabi indian side i mean i didn't even explore it until so much later wow Probably even though you came from there yeah i gave up hindi so fast like my hindi is so bad even now terrible Really? I try my hardest, mm -hmm. but it's not good. But you understand it. Of course, and absolutely. And Punjabi, you understand it. So my family actually doesn't speak too much Punjabi, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, I wish that they did. My dad's side mostly is from Lucknow, and my mom's side is from Frozabad, which mm -hmm. are both very Urdu-speaking towns. Right. So we kind of do speak more Hindi. Yeah. Um, but, of course, I have a general idea of, of when someone is talking in very Punjabi. Similar. Yeah, yeah, they're similar. Um, mm -hmm. I can understand the context, but, of course, I'm... Now it's so different. I'm obsessed with everything Indian and Bollywood. And right. I want to be better. So would you say where you come from culturally has completely now influenced and shaped your lifestyle? Every, like, part of me. Now what? it has. Event finally. <laughs> it, took, it took a while. When, when did that... When did you turn that corner? Um... I think it maybe started in high school. I co-founded the Desi Club because I went to a new high school, Queens High School, teaching in Glen Oaks. Okay. And we didn't have a Desi Club. And you know Ms. Grunwald? Yeah, she was my homeroom teacher. What is What was that called? Whatever that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, homeroom. You, you went... know who Ms. Grunwald is, right? No, who's Ms. Grunwald? <laughs> ah, you see how I put the dots together? <laughs> you went to... Dot, no feather, put the dots <laughs> you together. You went to QHST? <laughs> No, no, I did not. Okay. I know people everywhere. You right. could you could find me out here. Miss Grunwald, yeah, like I was you know in Ms. her Grunwald. room She's popping, for right? four years. <laughs> what? What? How do you know Miss Grunwald? Okay, Miss Miss Grunwald is Ross Grunwald's mom. Oh shit! And he would always talk about how he would used to DJ at the Queens High School of Teaching parties. Oh, DJ shit. Ross, our boy, one of our boys. Yeah, Miss Grunwald's son is a DJ. Wow, she he, was my teacher, like homeroom teacher yeah, for four years. Miss Grunwald, her son is a DJ that. We happen to know very well. Wow. So I just put all that together. Isn't wow. that crazy? That was crazy. I have to tell you guys a story about <laughs> that, so but off the record. Okay. Okay. Off the record. Okay. I'll tell you later. <laughs> okay. Cool. So let me ask you, did you like feel you had something to prove growing up to like your American friends? Absolutely. Yeah. All the time. Did you identify with like the, being Bayside's like pretty culturally diverse? Actually, I want to say more Asian than it's super definitely Asian. more. It's East Asian. Yeah. Did you like like have an affinity towards like Asian side, the Caucasian side, like which? I a little bit of 
I mean, back then I was just like trying to be friends with anybody who would want to be friends with me. So I did have one really good friend, Iris. She was East Asian. I had one really good um, Caucasian friend. Her name was Nicole. But yeah, I tried my best. Like I, I, you know, played pool with them. I tried swimming with them. Like I tried to do all these like American things. My mom put me into karate, you know, like my parents really tried. That is super We did a lot of American things. My parents got, you know, we sat down and we had a full fledged thing on pizza. My parents were like, let's order pizza. Let's figure out what this is. Were you part of Book It Club? Did you get to read books and get free pizza? In high school, we did that a lot. Really? Booking in high school? It was was popping. It was called Drop Everything and Read. Oh, I like that one. And we would just have to read for 35 minutes a day, and we would like get Was it called Dear? Yeah. I just figured out the acronym. It was called Dear. Yeah. That's cool. You're so smart for that. And Miss Grandma would always get pissed at me because I would always skip Dear to do Daisy Club stuff. Wow. So (laughs) you started Daisy Club. So is that like the prelude to Brown Girl Magazine? Absolutely. So... Growing up, you wouldn't know that American, Asian, trying to figure out your identity. Now we're in high school. We're like, all right, you know what? We're Indian. I'm Indian, and I'm proud to be Indian. It's time to spearhead something and yeah. start something in high school. That's so they just let you? Was, yeah, I mean, of course, you had to get like all the special permissions. You had to get a teacher. We did have one South Asian teacher, Ms. Z. I went to her wedding as well, and mm-hmm. we got super cool. And we Ms. put it Z? together. Yeah, Z. What? Zakaria. Okay. Okay. <laughs> she's she's married now, so I don't remember her, her <laughs> new name. But um, but yeah, we started it. It was like 15, 20 of us, and we grew. Like we had big Daisy Club shows. There was one year where the fire marshals had to come wow. because we were at capacity, and he talked to me, and I was like 16 or 17. He was like, if something goes wrong, it's all on you. <laughs> oh my God. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> all right. Well. So that was Daisy Club, and was that like now, where now you're being recognized in school as like I a, definitely a leader? Of your sort of, of your movement? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I remember like signing people up for dances and just like understanding what it means to put on events. That was the first time I understood the ins and outs of events. But I think in hindsight, it was just me being Indian and learning that I'm Indian. So that's right. the cool part. Was there, um, was, was it about the feminism yet? No. And were, were you at that point? Not at all. Not until much later. So, so what does that mean to you? And, and what perspectives of society are you trying to change by... By kind of pushing this feminist movement, if you will. It's so loaded. <laughs> I, mean, my, I mean, my G, you're here. So, I mean, I ain't trying to like, we're not trying to talk about high school. Let's, get, let's, let's get the good stuff. I respect it. No, I mean. For... By the way, you know, I heard you speak. That's why I invited you here. Cool. Where? I heard you speak at Urban Daisy Conference. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Moderating this thing. And I was blown away, bro. I was like a little intimidated. I had to run out of there a little bit to get to my panel because it was pretty, pretty deep. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I wanted to, you know, step it up and talk about questions and answers that we don't get to ask about. And you know the questions I asked. There was one that I was like, oh, my God. I asked. Off record, we'll we'll talk about it. Well, right. We'll get there. Yeah, no, I mean, I for me, feminism, it's very simple for me. It's actually not even loaded. It's all about finding equality with the opposite gender. That's it. And it's like, it shouldn't be hard. I shouldn't have to pick it for now, this. Finding quality, finding equality with the opposite gender. You speak as if that's not the case. Not in every aspect yet. Okay. Break that down for me. Um, I mean, simple, right? Like, we're still getting paid, what, 80 cents to the dollar? Like, that's crazy. You know how I'm, I'm what is that based on census reports, IRS reports? What is that based on? Like I'd have to Google that for you really quickly. Okay, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm really I'm really curious to know. I'm, but, I'm like a knowledge 
I'm I'm always look like if you tell me something, Absolutely. I want to know where that fact is Absolutely. from. Absolutely, I will. Well, I know that that number is definitely true. Right, okay. but we could always put a little link at the bottom. Sharad's <laughs> <laughs> a metrics guy. Like, I'm about, numbers, numbers make sense to him. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. no, I respect that. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's just it's in small aspects. Like you were just saying at home, like the quality is still not fully there at home. I'm sure by the time my kids are around, it will be perfectly there. You know, but. So when it comes to um, the job market, when it comes to um, obviously the household, when it comes to the entertainment industry, of course, mm. we're seeing it all the time. I, I think we're very close. We're not there yet. And I'm hoping by the time my kids are like teenagers, they won't you have even... kids. No, not yet. OK, but OK. When you get to that point. Yeah, I'm just hoping that they won't even have to fight for it anymore. And I'm hoping this is the last generation that has to do it. So I'm, I'm definitely hopeful because we've come such a long way. Do you think like a part of it is subjective? Because when when do we say that we've turned that corner and now it's equal? Like who? who how do we distinguish that? You know, it's like it very subjective, juicy it, in my opinion. Yeah, like you might say, okay, well, my husband and I were equal, yeah, and my kids are being taught this, and I'm making as much money as my husband. So in my eyes, now we're equal. Yeah. But the person down the block might not share that same sentiment. Yeah. Like, we're not there yet. So, like, at what point will people say or will women say, now we are equal? You know what I'm saying? So, like, I don't know. I, I'm not trying to stir anything yeah. up. I'm just, yeah. like, I'm just, I want to. That's an amazing thought. And it's an amazing question. And to be honest, I I don't know. I have no idea. But yeah. I would love to witness that moment Absolutely. in life. Like, I hope I'm alive for it. Sure. I hope it happens soon. Yeah, yeah, Hopefully totally. in the next decade. No, it's happening right now. It we is happening right equal. now. equal. <laughs> <My cheek. laughs> Bars. Bars. Did I say that? Yeah, It's <laughs> happening right now. I mean, I don't really see the difference at this point. In fact, I believe that if there's more women in our workplace where we what, what we do, we would actually have a more a, high, a, high, a higher rate of success in our business. That's really cool. Every <clears throat> woman we've brought in has driven our success rate up. Do you believe that or not? Absolutely. Of course. I would have been a cool DJ. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're not even on the DJ <laughs> side. But, yeah. Just being even in that, the business. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't. And one woman told me that, well, if there's more women in the workplace, then the women will dislike each other and it will drive productivity down. That's what another woman told me. Absolutely not. Yeah. That's such a And myth. they'll compete against each other. Yeah. And, but, I mean, there's males that compete with women in my office, and it's fine. Yeah, absolutely. My team at Brown Girl has 150 women. I've been doing it for six years. I haven't, I've run into maybe a tiny bit of drama, but no drama. I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, Brown Girl. 2010, founded? 2008. Yeah, so there's some Googling says 2010 and 2008. Yeah. Uh-oh, I'll have to things. fix that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I saw that too. And founded in Houston? Yeah, by Aditi Mehta. Oh, so you, you are a co-founder. Mm-hmm. Co-founder means what? Explain that to us. Co-founder essentially means that I've been part of it basically from the start, okay. but I didn't physically like start it. So it wasn't your original brainchild? No, it's not my brainchild. Okay, I want to get to... I wanna, that's what we're here to talk sure. about today. Is, is, I love talking about that story. Yeah, so Aditi Mehta started in 2008. She was at the University of um, Austin, Texas, and she literally, in her bedroom... Where is she from? Um, Houston, but she went okay. to Austin, yeah. And so she literally started it in her bedroom, you know, got the URL from GoDaddy, built the first site on her own, you know, got WordPress, and organically just started asking her friends to blog for the sheer purpose that there was no South Asian representation in media or on the internet, 
Imagine Jumeen, this. Jumeen, there was DaisyParty.com back then. <laughs> there was. <laughs> um, but there was, so think, there was no Superwoman either. Like, this is 2008. There was really nobody out there. Mm. Um, Daisy Party, definitely. I do remember these. <laughs> I used that in high school. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely, she was definitely ahead of her time. And her mission was to um, be a space for young South Asian women living only in the USA. Okay. So she had a, a, a core focus that she was trying to reach out to. And it was great. Yeah. yeah. And it just organically grew. And so then, you knew her? No. So, you know, I randomly found Brown Girl on Facebook. I think it was like late 2010. I would say early 2011 is when I really understood it. And yeah, so I was dabbling in journalism and political science and gender studies at Stony Brook. Mm -hmm. And um, I I had started writing for the school newspaper. And, you know, I needed to also blog. That was like the thing. You got to blog outside to kind of build up your resume. So when I saw some articles on Brown Girl, I was like, wait, I can do this. Like I had never seen content like that, that I could really relate to. You know, I was like, I can totally write this. And I just got so excited. I emailed Aditi right away. And there it was. How, it was how like, big was the site at that point? Like, how many unique um, visitors think, were going to it? And what was there? There was obviously no Instagram yet or anything. No, like nothing. That. So, super um, early. Probably, um, I don't know, maybe a few hundred a day, maybe. Okay, so yeah. it was fairly, like, early. Like, yeah, absolutely. In, in, I think we were publishing maybe, like, 10 to 15 pieces a month, you know? Now we've just recently produced 900 just last year. So, I mean, of course, the output when is... When you say so 900, 900... Original pieces of content. So articles. Yes. Essays. Yeah, interviews, blog posts, features. Interviews. Yeah, opinion yeah. pieces, interviews. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so no, so I found it all randomly on Brown Girl and on Facebook, and I was like, I need to do this. Hit her up. I started doing a lot of the timely news content because okay. that's where my trade is. I, I come from the journalism background, and I... I'm all about the news. So, yeah, I covered as much news content as I could for Brown Girl. But then I always had a knack for organizing people and connecting people. And um, just I started the first private Facebook group in 2011. That's when our the girls from all over the country were starting to talk together. What do you mean private Facebook group? Where we could actually communicate and brainstorm ideas. And that, that Facebook group is still around and we still use the same one. What's that name of that group? Oh, it's just... Brown Girl Magazine. It's just like a private Facebook But it's group. private. Yeah. So I can't get in. You can't get in. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> if I use Nisha's account, get in, <laughs> you might be able to get in. Yeah, there was like two of us in New York, Sneha Guth, who's still, in, who's still a very active writer at Brown Girl. There was like three, four in Texas. Um, there was maybe like two, three in California and a few from just other random states. So I think there was at least 15 at the time. Was okay. it difficult to get like content at that time from, from everybody that was in the group or like how was that? Everyone was just really into it because okay. it was like the first time. Right. It definitely was the first time we all had found something like this. Right. I think that motivation has never really died down. Mm-hmm. Hence, we've been able to survive a decade with little to no funding and none of us have been able to do it full time until this January. So on the flip of that, now all the content that you're getting, was it hard to decipher what you wanted to use like was that difficult for you that that process or no not really and honestly like we're pretty flex like we will publish anything and everything pause for a second how did you go from just being someone who found the site emailing the owner to now being the ceo i'm i'm confused sure i can tell you that story (laughs) so the, the the short version is is that um you know, I was writing. I started recruiting in 2011, 2012. So some of the girls I recruited from Stony Brook mm-hmm. are still with me today. Maybe you guys know Priya Mookie. 
She was yeah, one of absolutely. my first few girls I had recruited. My Instagram manager, Sunduri, she was one of the first few girls I recruited. She was actually at the Anita Dungri event. I didn't realize I was recruiting girls. I was just like, guys, I found a blog. Come write for it. And they were like, what? So I started connecting with the girls in New York City, started hosting like little tiny meetups. Um, what, are, what are those meetups about? Like just, what happens? Yeah, just being like, hey, like what can we do? Like can we host an event? I started going to every event possible in New York City. I basically... South Asian. South Asian events, of course. Mm-hmm. I just like hustled into every event, whether I was invited or not. I tried to get invited to stuff. Okay. And um, yeah, and then I started talking to the two Out main... here. <laughs> yeah, totally. I was totally into it. I was still at Stony Brook, though, so it was a little tough to go back and forth. Doing your master's at that point. I was still in undergrad, okay. but I did my master's in 2012. So it was really after my master's when I finally entered the real world, sort of say, and I was reporting for a newspaper in Queens called the Queens Tribune. Mm-hmm. That's when I like really got into it. And I was like, this is real. Like This is so serious. So that was your job that was paying you at yeah. Queens Tribune, but your passion was... With Brown Girl. Just hustling at Brown Girl, yeah. And that's when I just... And the CEO out of Texas was still... Yeah, she was still CEO. doing her thing, yep. And then I had a second... Um, the editor-in-chief at the time, Atia Hassan. Aditi and Atia had a great relationship. They were basically, you know, the the women, the administrative, I guess. And I kind of just, like, kept poking my finger. <laughs> I was like, hey, what can I do? What can I do? I just started being like, hey, you know... I think we could do this on Facebook or wait, you know, Twitter is kind of cool now. Maybe we should start tweeting more. Um, And hey, you know, I found this person in New York. Maybe we should interview them. So I just like got in their face and I was like, what can I do? And I was I wanted to get behind the scene. Wait, so you were the one that helped launch their Facebook or helped get Facebook popping for them? I tried. (laughs) You then also told them Twitter was a place that definitely to be. They were more just on the web, but not really in social media. Yeah, exactly. Like, we needed more of a social presence. So I definitely was one of the first people. That leads me to a question. And I'm going to pause in your story. Is that I read on your Instagram profile that you are a social media strategist. Absolutely. Okay. I'm confused as fuck. Sure. About (laughs) what a social media strategist is. Because I'd like to think I'm one. Absolutely, we for all my are. Team, but then my team says I'm not. Okay. <laughs> so you break it down. They want us. me to hire a social media co- or a social media coordinator now, or like, and I'm like, Damn, that's another payroll. Can we talk about that <laughs> afterwards? I'd love to talk to you guys about social media. Well, off record. Yeah, no, on record. All right. What <laughs> is a social media strategist, and how does one obtain that title, <laughs> and what is it worth, and why? Does it say that when you have such limited characters that you could write about yourself, you've made sure to... And I think it's in all caps, if I'm not mistaken. No, it's not in all caps. There's definitely some caps in there. Maybe the, the S, the S, and the... Yeah. Okay. Those have That's to be caps. Been, okay. <laughs> cool. So what is a social media strategist? Please enlighten me. Yes. And Juicy, because Juicy has no clue. I have no clue. So, yeah, I mean, it all comes down to having a really organized calendar or vision of how you want your social to look, how you want your feeds to look, what... um when you should be sharing content um, and also just keeping up with the algorithms. Like I'm obsessed with keeping up with the algorithms on all pages. So of course it is a, you know, self-given title, but I'm proud of my social media efforts um, throughout Brown Girl and on, you know, my personal pages. And So I've we also, can hire you to be our strategist? So I was just going to say, I've consulted for many years um, for other smaller brands who just need help. I have a few clients right now on the side. Interesting. Can you get me a blue check? 
I Valid not question. on Instagram. I can't because Instagram is very finicky. But on Twitter and Facebook, I got you. <laughs> you just apply. No, she said that on record. On record. You just so apply. you gave me a blue check because if I if you could give me a blue check on those two, I'm confident that eventually the people at Instagram will knock on my door. Let's do. We can work on that. Will you do it in a way where I only pay you? If the blue checks come. <laughs> right. like that is off the plan. record. Because <laughs> that's the kind of deals I cut. I'm, I'm like that. I'll negotiate. Uh, we work it out. <laughs> One check at a time. But so, so you're a social media strategist for your brand, obviously. Absolutely. And then you do it for other people as yeah, well. Yeah, I've done it for, you know, I, I'm trying to build a clientele around it. Yeah. What qualifies you versus the next person or the next person to do that? I think the number one thing is I know how to connect people. So I will give you the collaborations that you need. It's not just about making your feed look pretty. It's about who's behind that feed. What does that mean? So I can literally just connect you with X, Y, and Z and be like, hey, collaborate with this person. Let's do an Instagram story with this person. Let's do a takeover with this person. If we do a photo shoot with this person, they'll tag you. You know, Let's reach out to this blog and have them republish this on their Instagram or their Facebook. So it truly is a science. It's I'm definitely gathering. a science. Yeah. And you're going to get an invoice after this, by the way, Sharad. From her? Yeah, because she's, she's giving you all her stuff, so I expect an invoice now. I mean, yeah. I, mean, it I got you guys. <laughs> no, that's dope. Um, so so you, did you just call yourself that one day, or did someone actually say, hey, did someone like hit, like hit you and say, yo, I think you're onto something here? Because what we try to do with our show is not only talk about your history, but also innovative ways that young entrepreneurs are kind of finding new ways to to generate revenue Mm -hmm. so how did that light bulb go off and and how did you say i'm gonna be doing this and this is part of my business yeah i mean i i do think that social media is it it is very lucrative it is definitely a part of me as a person and it definitely is it brings us money for sure there's no doubt about it i mean yeah i mean of course i've had people come up and say hey you know this is good you're doing this cool cool but it's all about what you believe in yourself. And I know that I'm good at it and I can do it and gave myself the title. <laughs> Stop. Do you I feel it that. was a natural progression from journalism? Um, definitely. And do they go hand in hand? They do go hand in hand. I mean, at the end of the day, um, my number one thing about social media is making sure I'm checking every single punctuation there is. Like, I will read a caption seven to eight times before mm-hmm. it goes up, especially on Brown Girl's page, you know, so very particular. So, yeah, it definitely goes hand in hand. You can write the best story in the world, but if you're not putting up on social, it may not be read unless you have amazing SEO and it's being searched on Google, which is great. So we're grateful at Brown Girl that actually 55% of our traffic still comes in from Google, which I'm so grateful for, um, but we have to hustle for the social. Interesting. Yeah. We have, we have a social media meeting. Uh, with our team next week. Just get all me on D- Google Hangout. All DJs. <laughs> yeah, we might have to. No, I'm, to I'm so in. down. I, I'm genuinely like obsessed with talking about it. And I love just like talking about people's feeds and just figuring out what they can do. It just, just, it all comes down to brainstorming and thinking a little bit ahead, which I didn't get to do for a while. So I'm happy that now I finally get to think ahead about Brown Girl. Mm-hmm. Is that how you became the CEO? Yes. Okay. Talk about it. So um, I have been wanting to do Brown Girl full-time for at least the past three years, probably even more, but I was too nervous to say that I could do it full-time, and I didn't, I just didn't... Risky. Yeah, I never thought I could put that out there, and I was just like, 
always doubted myself, of course. So, um, so yeah, so basically for the past almost three years, I was like, I got to do this full time. This is never going to take off if no one does it full time. It can't be a passion project. You know, our team has only become bigger. 150 writers, 10 editors, five assistant editors, seven people on my social media team, you know, two people on my events team. That's all volunteer based? Some, yes, they're all basically volunteer. We do do small stipends, but yes, it's all volunteer people who are genuinely passionate. So the team is large. Someone needs to be there full time. So anyways, I checked off a big, you know, thing off the list last year, which was to get married. And I knew that that would kind of, (laughs) (laughs) I knew that that would be my ticket to going full time. Why? Uh, because I'm grateful that my husband could, you know, kind of just let me live out this until it becomes like a fully sustainable business. And he's passionate about it as well. And I knew that it could, this may be my chance, you know. And Did you marry an Indian person? I married a Punjabi Hindu. His name is Ashish Walia. And uh, he has a startup oh, yeah, of his own. I should have known that based on that <laughs> name, Walia. Yeah, Walia. Did you get any pushback when you made that decision from your family or friends? To hyphenate my name? No, no, no. no, no, no like no. to do brown girl full time. No, I didn't get any pushback. I actually, everyone around me was like, finally, this girl can finally stop talking about it. Everyone, even my dad. I say this all the time. I have never heard an Indian man mm-hmm. use the word dream as many times as my dad did in the past like six months of this process. Because this is very new. I just transitioned January in, until now is the first time I'm doing it full time. Wow. Right. And so, yeah, basically, the whole process started last September. Of course, I have two partners, Atiyah and Aditi. We had incorporated in 2014 as an LLC. What um, was it before? Then? It was just, we were just blogging, you know, and then... Wow. So there was no revenue, really? No, not stream. until, like, 2015. And 2014 is when we really realized this was maybe a business potential. The only reason we even realized it is because Oxford Press had reached out to us, and they were like, hey, listen, we want to purchase one of your stories for a textbook. Send so us cool. your tax wow. ID number. And we were just like, I don't know, what is a tax <laughs> ID number? My dad's a CPA, and I'm like, Papa, like, what is, like, how do I give him a tax ID number? He's like, no, 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 no. You, can, you can't do this. you got to go to law school. I was like... <laughs> Pretty much, like, gearing up to law school, I had was studying for my, I was doing my master's in public policy, studying for my LSATs. My dad's like, there's no way. You, you can't incorporate this company. Three months, pushing and pushing and pushing. And kept peop- I put the people at Oxford on hold. I was like, we're going to sell you this. I just need to incorporate. I'm really sorry. Can you give oh, us a couple of months? Okay. And, and, yeah, that's when we first started. When they approached you, did they give you a number of what they wanted to pay? $100. Did... Oh, okay. It was a big deal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wow. listen, you got to start somewhere. Okay. I, I respect it. $100. Yeah. Absolutely. It was huge. In 2014, we had $0. We didn't even have a bank account. Right, right, right. right. So we got a bank account. You know what's and... so amazing? Sorry to interrupt That's you. okay. <laughs> that so many, your story, it's like it wasn't even about the revenue or the money mm. when you started. It was p- built on actual on the cause yeah on on loving the cause creating content not really caring about revenue at all and just doing it from the heart and it automatically without you chasing a sale someone knocked on your door and said hey i want to give you this money that's what happened and then from there the light bulb goes off and you say this is a business opportunity but i didn't realize it until later and then the next money that came in was this amazing woman who runs this cool calendar every year called Sorry to Suits. And she was like, hey, we used to promote a ton of people. Everyone, just promoting them for free, didn't realize that, you know, we could be asking for money in return. We promoted her calendar for three months. Out of nowhere, she, at this point, we did have a bank. She wire transfers us $500. I was floored. Wow. I was like, $500 for what? For Facebook 
shout outs? Like, what did we get five? I couldn't even put a value to it. And yeah, so that's when I was like, wait a minute, this is crazy. You know, like, and I got to do something. Your partners didn't think that there was money to be made? Probably not as much as I did. <laughs> what, what's their bat? Meta is what? Gujarati? Yeah. And the other one is? Um, she is um, Hyderabadi. What's her name? Atiyah Hassan. She's Hyderabadi okay. Muslim, yeah. Okay. From from Hyderabad, like yeah. living there? or No, or from Texas as well. As well. Okay. Yeah, okay. they were Got both it. from Texas. And yeah, so, so did you know them or was this just virtual relationships that you had with these Absolutely people? virtual. So we signed our LLC papers, like the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Like we mailed each <laughs> other the um, LLC papers and then we mailed the kit back to my dad to like keep, you know? Right. Um, and so, so you were incorporated in New York or in Texas? Well, now. So I dissolved Brown Girl LLC in December okay. because I bought out both of their shares and um, I paid them a pretty decent amount. <laughs> and, uh, and I started over in January and I... Why did, you, why, did, why did they decide to give up their shares and how did that happen? Yeah, it was... that's a boss move right there. That's that boss shit. <laughs> Meek Mill, I'm a boss. <laughs> it was, Talk that shit. <laughs> it was, no, that's, it's I, still nerve-wracking to think that that even happened. It just happened. Okay. September to December was the process. So you're partners with these girls from 2015. You start to sell LLC. You get some revenue up. Yep. And in 2017, you say, yo, you founded it. That's cool, but I'm going to buy you out. Yeah. That's weird. That's exactly what I did. Okay. How, Verbatim. Why and, and how and why would they... Why would they give it up? Sure. So, um, you know, it was kind of gradual. I think Atiyah and Aditi always knew that I was going to be the one to go full time. Mm -hmm. And I'm definitely grateful. I'm blessed. I know that in my life I'm able to do that and not everybody can. So I never take that for granted. And Atiyah and Aditi always knew that they wouldn't be able to go full time. So they always did respect that aspect. And they actually hustled so that I could get to this place. So I respect them for that. They always worked so that one day Trisha could go full-time. That was Aditi's thing all always. And Pretty so she cool. helped me get there, you know, and she knew that she wasn't able to, you know, she has her own life. Atiyah has her own Atiyah is an aspiring physician. You know, Aditi has a lot of loans from her MBA. She's starting a family. Um, they both just live very different lives. And I was just, my life is literally brown girl. So, wow. yeah. And so, yeah. So I started negotiating with them in September and I was like, you know, let's figure out what we think the company is worth. You know, we all own 33% of the company at the time. I and that was that back then that your, your dad had helped with the yeah, paperwork. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. He's the, OG. so, so the, the OG. original paper, like original LC was registered in New York. In Texas. Texas. Smart. Yeah. Okay. In Texas. No and state tax there, right? No state tax. No state tax. No state exactly. Tax. Buck, yeah. buck, 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 bars. That's <laughs> bar. For young business people, if you have an opportunity to, go to register in New York versus Texas, and pick Texas. Absolutely. And Delaware. And Florida. And Delaware, Delaware, Florida, Texas. Yeah. No, of course, my dad has definitely been, even, even though he was reluctant, he's definitely been there. Now he's like so crazy supportive. But so, yeah, so I was like, let's figure out what we're worth. Like, I want to give you guys a fair value for what you're worth. Hey guys, this is Mega from Holy Chic by Mega, and I am listening to the Butter Chicken Podcast with DJ Sherrod and DJ Juicy. Yo, what's good, everybody? This is Jazz Dami. You listen to Butter Chicken Podcast with DJ Sherrod and DJ Juicy. Hey, this is Heems. Shout out DJ Sherrod. Shout out DJ Juicy. This is the Butter Chicken Podcast. 
Yo, this is Rackstar. You can catch me on the Butter Chicken podcast with DJ Sherrod and DJ Juicy, and it gets super spicy. What up? It's your boy Siraj, Sneaker Room All Day. I'm here on the Butter Chicken Podcast. This is one of the craziest podcasts I've ever done. Listen to me, if you don't know what Butter Chicken is, you better Google that shit. If you don't know who my man DJ Sherrod is, you better Google that dude. If you don't know who my man DJ Juicy is, a.k.a. the Punjabi Fat Man Scoop, you better Google him. We here, man. Butter Chicken Podcast all day. Yo, can I get some Butter Chicken? Butter Chicken? Butter Chicken? Butter chicken? Now, Trisha takes over Brown Girl Magazine fully. What is, has the objective and mission changed, or is it still the same? No, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. The only thing that's changed is that I actually have the capacity to think forward and nice. to think six months ahead of time now. <laughs> so for our listeners, what is the objective of Brown Girl Magazine? What is the mission of Brown Girl Magazine? The mission, of course, is to be the platform for young South Asian women living in the diaspora. Um, and now on top of that, we've added levels to that. So another new level is that we want to also be a space for South Asian males. So we did fully start a small South Asian team of male writers. We have about five to 10. We're, you know, kind of working with them, testing them out. We've produced quite a few pieces already since January. Is that that brown boy of the month? Brown Boy of the Month is just featuring men, but we want more male writers. We want male perspective. So we have to put in real work to get more male content because 35% of our traffic actually comes from males. Interesting. If the male perspective, who's, who's like your editor-in-chief? <clears throat> Excuse me, me. Okay, so you're CEO and editor-in-chief, <clears throat> so you mm-hmm. have to wear many hats. Mm-hmm. So if the male perspective article comes out and then it's a very chauvinistic article, would you, would you allow that to go up? It depends. I wouldn't say no because we're 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 really big on publishing controversial pieces. Because that gets views. No, not that because it gets views because we're a platform. Okay. For everything, so we've done pro and con of everything. So like the silly funny example, like when Full House put out their new episodes and they had that Diwali party. I didn't even know about. Or they had a holy party. Was a Fuller House. Fuller House, exactly. Perfect example. We did. What did Fuller House do? They had Pardon one my episode. Ignorance. No, I it's okay. It since, since like since like Uncle Jesse and them. I didn't the get to watch much of the new episodes, but I did watch this one because it caused a lot of controversy. But it's just a good example of the kind of content that we want to produce. Fuller House had either a Diwali party or a holy party, but it definitely was a bit culturally appropriative. And of course, so many people were just going haywire. But then some people loved it. They were like, "This is cool." A show that we grew up watching is showing Desi culture, like we've made it type of thing. Right? Did so, they show Desi people like, or on the on the event on the show? No, or? they only showed American people like dressed up in langas, and they actually had a cow in there that was like definitely like they crossed the line there a little bit. Um, so they definitely did a few things that crossed the line. But what we did was back to back, we published content that was for it and against it. We've done it for everything. Very cool. Right. Pri- when Prime Minister Narendra Modi came here for the first time mm-hmm. um, to the uh, Madison Square Garden. Modi in America. Back to back. We published pieces pro-Modi and we published pieces not pro-Modi. And we did it because... And we always do like a small disclaimer saying these are the opinions of the author. But we're really big on doing that because we need to be the platform that's for the people. And I believe in free press. I respect that. I respect it 100%. I didn't even know that. That's really cool. That you could do that. Absolutely. So so now you're trying to incorporate men or more male opinions. Absolutely. Onto the site. Absolutely. What is Brown Boy of the Month and how does Juicy become Brown Boy? You yeah, guys, brown boy. the fact that you haven't been Brown <laughs> Boy of the Month, like we have to work on that. So I that's want Juicy on us. to be that. I nominate Juicy. The butter- I, you know, 
This the, is the Butter Chicken Boys. Let's do it together. We'll be the Brown Boys. I'm a man. <laughs> you're, you're I'm not a boy. Yeah. Once you're married with kids, you're not a boy anymore. <laughs> uh, you, st- you, you could still, cr- you could go both ways. <laughs> what? Both like ways. boy, like boy, not like both. Like I mean, like <laughs> boy or man. Like you could, like you could be like it's your boy DJ Juicy. Yeah, but we technically are the. Butter I don't. Chicken. I don't butter like saying. Boys. Like, I even stopped saying it's your boy DJ Sharad. <laughs> no, no, not, I got to stop true. then. Not As true. of this moment, I am a man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. Brown man, groundbreaking, of, everybody. Brown <laughs> man of the month. <laughs> I got, I got you. This is <laughs> you, groundbreaking. You said I got you on a lot of shit. This shit is all recorded. <laughs> yeah, I know. I got to make a list after this. Oh, we'll make the list. We'll email it to you. Erica's amazing at uh, time stamping. Oh, my God. I think she's making a list. <laughs> she is making a list. list. <laughs> I just saw. <laughs> what, are, what are some of the uh, media outlets that motivate you and some of the content that you read outside of, say, Brown Girl Mag? Absolutely. I mean, I think one thing that motivates me so much is um, independent South Asian blogs and South Asian influencers. That's like my thing. I literally want to know. You just said something that struck a nerve. South Asian influencers? Influencers, yeah, period. I figured. How did you figure that? Because it, it's, it's a word that some people hate it or you, or you use well, it. We can have a nice talk oh, with this girl. <laughs> we were talking about this. A couple of words that piss me off. Influencers. Influencer? I get it. Strategist, <laughs> would you clear it up? So you mean? <laughs> would you clear no, it? if the people just abuse it. Okay. And the last word that pisses me off is culture. Culture, okay. The use of it and the misuse of it. Sure. But specifically, influencer. Talk about that. And how is one an influencer? It's not my favorite word either. Mm-hmm. I guess it's just a word that's more commonly used in so the I, social media world. So I do use it, but I, you're right. There, there's a lot of connotation behind it. Um, I think people just digest it easier. Like, they hear it and they're like, okay, it's an influencer. Do you think, like, a 12-year-old today can go to school and come home from school and say, mom, and this is boy or girl, it doesn't matter, mom, dad, uh, I figured out what I want to be when I grow up. Oh, what do you want to be, honey? I want to be an influencer. (laughs) How do I do that? And I'm sure there's, like, 900,000 kids that are doing that right now. But there's also 900,000 kids that want to play basketball. Yeah. So what do, what do I tell my son if he says comes home and says, I want to be an influencer, daddy? You got to ask him in what field and what makes you unique in that field. What, are you gonna, what kind of content are you going to be able to produce? And you got to ask the hard questions. It all comes down to what's niche about you. Mm. Everyone wants niche content right now. Okay. And that's what makes Brown Girl special. I'm never going to make a million dollars at Brown Girl. And that's cool with me. You might. Don't ever say that. Yeah, you might. <laughs> I, never th- I never thought DJ USA would do what it does. And every year we continue to grow Absolutely. and hire people and grow people. So you never know. You never know. I'm keeping it real. But I, I feel like... If, 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 if you're the social media strategist <laughs> and you say that, I could be your business strategist and figure Can it out Can you for please? You. 100%. Can you please? Because like, now that I've officially put on this entrepreneurial hat, like it's... So it's very different. different, you know. I, before I was just kind of doing it to see what I could do, but now I have to really do it because now it's literally my bread and butter. I Get it? I butter? Th- yeah, butter chicken. <laughs> butter chicken. I, now, now you're getting it. I had to. <laughs> I think. I think when you're a creator, which it, clearly you are a creator, you're a dot connector. Um, when you're in that space, and you do that very well. And then you got to turn and now be the head of finance as well. It sometimes takes away from you being 
creative. The creator. Yeah. Or the person overseeing the content that's being put out. Yeah. And you find yourself battling between trying to run a profitable business. Absolutely. And then also trying to put out the best content. But you got in the game for the content. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. So as you grow, it's difficult to kind of wear both hats or Absolutely. wear multiple hats, right? So how do you see yourself doing that? But but before that, I really... We, you, you touched on it a little bit, how there's certain media platforms and influencers that kind of motivate you. So who are those people and or what are those blogs that kind of or those media outlets or those those publications that inspire you or motivate you to do stuff? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I mean, there's definitely quite a few out there. Um, there's a really cool one, Burnt Roti from the UK. Yeah, they're they're doing. Yeah, they're doing cool stuff, right? I mm-hmm. definitely really like them. Of course, I mean, Live Tinted is doing such amazing things as well. Deepika was one of our first beauty bloggers in Texas as well, so that's cool to see her do it. Um, a website that I recently co-created was the Teal Mango. Okay, um, yeah, we it, read about that. Cool, yeah. So, you know, Teal what Mango. What is that? I've never been there. The Teal Mango, what, what our idea was to basically be BuzzFeed India, but with more... Content less fluff. <laughs> mm. So um, yeah, it's it's basically very much more entertainment focused. Um, okay. So I'm obsessed with everything that we had done at Teal Mango, and I think they're doing Whereas, such a cool job. Okay, so you were co-creator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so is and that then, still going or? Yeah, they're okay. still going really well. Yeah, okay, but you're not part of that. Not anymore. No. Was it because you had to focus on this or? Yeah. So I was. So Teal Mango is a part of ZT. Z essentially, okay. um, Essel Digital. Okay. It's a part of Essel Digital. So I was at Z for four years, full time. Uh, yeah, full time, exactly. While and you then, were in school? Um, no, this is just the past four years, like after school. Got it. Yeah, and so, so you, know, you have a track record. A little, kinda. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've been definitely. around a little bit, but so, um, so I was working with. No, we um, did the googling. Yeah, you did the googling. That's <laughs> pretty cool. No, so I mean, I was under, um, so I managed India.com for a couple of years, and then I focused on creating um, Teal Mango, which is under Essel properly. Okay. Yeah, so so Teal Mango, of course, is cool, and then just like other um, independent bloggers that I follow, I mean, there's just literally so many. I mean, a lot of the content that I'm consuming is a lot of girly beauty content, <laughs> so I could spitball a ton of um, beauty influencers to use. I definitely am consuming a lot of their content. Um, and then I think when it comes to non-South Asian stuff, I'm definitely obsessed with everything that uh, what Refinery is doing is pretty cool. I think what Britain Co. is doing is really cool. They're out in California. Um, and then for my hard news, it's like a, like a mix of, you know, HuffPo or sometimes um, CNN, you know. So I'm trying to consume literally everything and every, anything and everything. A lot of it comes from Twitter. <laughs> so do you find that you, like, you read more of this content or do you watch, like, videos and things? Like, is there, like, a, if you could assign a percentage to it, what would you say that is? Um, <clears throat> definitely a mix of reading, watching, listening to some podcasts, of course, mm-hmm. um, so it's it's definitely a, a it's mix. A healthy mix of it's everything. a healthy mix, and then I mean, eventually the butter chicken podcast is gonna be like your shit. Absolutely, <laughs> you know, and we have a podcast out too that you guys could maybe listen to. I didn't even know. Yeah. Queering they see we're starting. Oh, to, I did hear about that. Yeah, yeah we're absolutely. trying to push it out a bit more, but we're focusing on. You're already like out, or is it in beta? Like, yeah, we're out. We're I think eight episodes, nine episodes in. I should know the number. We just per- so it's weekly. It's weekly. Yeah, we just had Rohan today um, from Dunya. So okay. we just had him on today. Nice. We recently had Nick Dodani. He's from that Netflix show, um, Atypical, where Michael Rappaport plays the yeah. father. 
So we had him. So yeah, we've had some cool people. That's um, dope. Yeah, I listen to my Michael Rappaport's podcast a lot. That one's a cool one. It gives he's, me random sports. He's news. very funny too. He's so funny, and he's very hip hop. I love it. And, super hip hop. And I love and super when sports. he just bugs out on Trump. That gives me like That's, his rants are incredible. Yes, his rants he, are pretty he, incredible. He bugged on a rapper recently too. Uh, no, Alonzo Ball. He bugged on. Uh, yeah, yes, he it, bugs out on him basically every other week. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty dope. Yeah. So your 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 content sort of, uh, I guess, buckets are pretty diverse. It's totally vast. I literally want I want to soak in as much as I possibly can. We gotta can. hang out. Yeah, for let's real. do it. I want to read and watch and listen to everything. Let's just let's bring our laptops, turn up, have mad TVs, and just rock out. But content yo, consumption. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> You That's know a way. Yo, what did you find this this past hour? Yo, you got to check this out, Absolutely. Man. Yeah. You know what's unhealthy, though? The scroll. What? I'm scrolling, like, even do do when that? I'm doing something important. Like, I could be emailing and still scrolling. I could be on the phone and still scrolling. Is, is that a problem? It's a real problem. How do we solve that? I could literally sit here with you I think guys before we figure out gender equality, I think we got to figure out how we could stop scrolling. Because I do the same thing. It's terrible. Good. Would you make a promise to me on record? <laughs> I can try. Set a time to stop scrolling. To s- turn off your phone, yeah, or, or to ter- flip your phone over. I do, but that's like eleven thirty at night, and that's not like enough time. That's not normal. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I want to be very conscious of not touching myself yeah. when past like eight o'clock. Or, oh, do you do that? I no, I, I say yeah. I'm gonna do it. Oh, okay. And I'll do it for a little few hours, but then at Two o'clock in the morning, I'll wake up and yeah. I'll send an email. Absolutely. Or I'll be like, yo, where's like so-and-so DJing at? Or Absolutely. It's definitely a negative. Absolutely. We replied to each other pretty quick when we were doing it. So like, I get it. I feel like it's you kind of have to. You don't have to. I met someone recently who's the CEO and founder of a mega company sure. that does $32 million a year. He's a, U- a U.S. guy in New York, a little like our age pretty much. He does not do texting. He doesn't do texting. You can't text this person. What was his reasoning for that? Because he said it's... This is his philosophy. Mm-hmm. It kind of is... I mean, it's weird because you could DM him, mm-hmm. but you can't text him. Right, so that's a message. To just, but yeah. again, for him, it works. So he's like... I'm like, yo, let me get your number, man. He goes, here's my number. Don't text me. I'm not going <laughs> to respond. And it's not going to go through. I turned off texting. So for this person, he's like, if you want to get me, just email me. I'm, I'll, I'll, let, I'll write you a... <laughs> A lengthy email, mm-hmm. but I do not text. And did he give you an explanation for that? Or? Yeah, he said it's distracting. He's a CEO. He has to be hyper-focused on his work. He does $32 million in business a year. And texting just is not part of his protocol. Even if it's business-related? Dude, he will not text. If he needs to talk to someone, mm-hmm. you could email, email him and him. CC his assistant. Whatever. It's that person's how they work. Yeah, my, my wife gets on me a lot. She's like, put your phone away. We're not watching TV before bed. You, your mind needs to be at peace. Like... We like watching TV. What do you watch on TV? A ton of stuff. Definitely a ton of stuff. You watch TV or Netflix? Netflix, Hulu, YouTube Live, Facebook. What are some of the things you watch? Um, We watch... What are we watching? Ballers. Ballers Ball in the Family. (laughs) But also I watch the Ballers, I just got to Ballers. I just got on episode two. Powers in June is going to be popping. Oh, my God. They film like down the block from like basically our block. So that's pretty cool. My husband has bumped into, um, what's the main guy's name, a few times. I can't remember his name, but it doesn't Which matter. Which Dwayne Johnson? No, from Power. Oh, from Power. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I've run he, into him at the airport. Yeah, he bu- he's like right Ghost. there. Ghost. There you go. Yeah, Dude, yeah. I ran. A, <laughs> Ghost comes to um, Queens Bully. 
Oh, really? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, he eats at Queen's Bully all the time. Oh, oh that's shit. so cool. We got to go there. He's had yeah. butter chicken wings at, at, Queen Bu- at Queen's Bully. Is he, cool. is he from Queens? or I think he lives he in Long Island City. He lives like two, three blocks away from us. Yeah, yeah. I, I ran into him at the airport. I had a full-blown conversation. It was mad cool. Yeah, tell tell totally me you watch cool. Game of Thrones. I don't. You don't, I don't watch that. That's, probably the, that's probably the only series that my husband and I haven't watched. Wow. We want to get into it, but we don't. You have to get into it. I haven't either, but I, I've been told I if you to get into it, it. Highly recommend it. You got to get into it from jump. Yes. Yeah. No, absolutely. We Definitely. want to. We've tried, but it's just, you know, we've watched like This Is Us. We've done really everything. Yeah. Atypical is pretty good with Mike Rapport. Um, I, I mean, of course, I also consume a ton of reality TV as well. Um, Speaking of just so many people that like that you're into or are blogs that you're into or people people that you listen to, like you mentioned earlier that you're into collaboration. Who are some people or what are some brands or who are some of the people or influencers that you've collaborated with or helped put together? Like talk to us about that and, and what dots you've connected in collaboration. Yeah, sure. That'd be cool. Um, a ton. So like obviously right now I'm forgetting every single collaboration I've ever <laughs> done in my entire <laughs> life. But I think a really cool one that I would love to point out is one we just finished with designer Ayush Kedraval. He's based in Scotland. Um, but he really, really believes in woman and quality, and he's all about making pieces that make women feel beautiful, and he likes to focus on, you know, um, uh, body sizes that are not just, like, beautifully tall, skinny women. Mm. So, yeah, so we reached out to him, and we were like, hey, listen, we want to do a body inclusivity shoot. Can what you does s- that mean? It basically means we wanted women of every different size, skin color, um, background, um, you know, how their skin looks. It doesn't matter. You didn't need to be a model to be a part of this shoot. You didn't need to be a quote-unquote influencer to be a part of this shoot. You just you just needed to be a woman who loves her body or doesn't even have to love her body, who's insecure about her body but wants to try to, like, come out of that mold. Mm. Um, so our written pitch was way more eloquent than how I am presenting <laughs> it. <laughs> but, you know, um, Ayush, if you check out his work, you'll kind of see what I mean. And he was... A little reluctant because, you know, we're from the USA. He doesn't know us that well. He was like, yeah, I kind of know brown girl, kind of not. We had to, like, really pitch him hard. Mm -hmm. And we brought on 11 women. They're all very different, and we've released the photos. Um, You could check them out on our Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter. What are those those handles? At Brown Girl Mag for Twitter and for Instagram, Mm -hmm. and at Brown Girl Magazine for Facebook. And so what we did was we did the shoot up in Fort Tryon Park. With 11 women, we brought on two stylists. We brought on, like, five makeup artists. Um, and each woman wrote such a compelling story on what made her insecure all these years, what makes her insecure even today, you know, what part of her body she doesn't like or does like. Um, and the fact that we did this shoot... And then what you actually showcased that part of the body? No, not oh. necessarily. Or just, it, yeah, just self-image more. It was just yeah. more about self-image, you know, so... We recently just published it. So we released it on um, Thursday, last Thursday. So that was a really cool collaboration. I mean, to be able to work with someone who's in Scotland, like, and the big, he's a pretty big designer. It was it was definitely the highlight of this year. Was it impactful for the people who were able to write about themselves? Absolutely. Yeah. You have Absolutely. to read it. I mean, yeah. each one, like, I was putting the whole piece together. Mm-hmm. It took me about three and a half hours to piece everyone's story together and put it together in, in a nice format. And every time I wanted to reply to an email or pick up a call or do whatever. And I was like, no, I got to just Focus, do this in three yeah. hours and finish it. And like each person or each woman's like story was just like, I can't believe it. Like some of the girls were my friends. Some of them weren't, you know, so it was just cool to understand 
you may think that girl is beautiful or pretty or this and that, but the insecurities that she's kind of gone through or to be told that <clears throat> she's too dark or that she's too skinny or she, she's too fat or she has pimples on her face, like, all of that was covered in the shoot. My wife tells me cool. I'm too fat all the time. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get you in the shoot. <laughs> so the next shoot I'm actually working on, which is another collaboration, is happening very soon in two weeks. It's all about not conforming to gender. So we're bringing together um, two gay women. We're bringing together a gay guy. We're bringing together a trans Asian woman. Or? Yeah. Okay. This is in collaboration with our Queering Desi podcast. Okay. And then we're going to do a small event in June during Pride Month. We're going to showcase those photos. So we're going to be at Pride Month too. Let's guys, you got to come to the event June twenty eighth. Okay, I yeah. know Pondicherry. Okay. <laughs> we there. there. All right, I'll send you guys a formal invitation. Yeah. But a lot of the collaborations that I am trying to do, I want to make them impactful. I want to take them to the next level, as opposed to just doing a one off interview. You know, I want to take things to the next level, um, and now I'm able to do that. So it seems it seems very uh, very inspiring um, what you're doing in your work. Is there anybody that inspires you to like whether it's a writer, or an actor, or an artist? Like, tell us about a little bit about that. Anybody who inspires you? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think the work that you know, um, a beauty blogger like Nabella. I think the work she's doing is so cool. She's Bangladeshi American. Mm-hmm. Um, she's definitely not your typical skinny beauty blogger, and what she's doing is just phenomenal she's really breaking those stereotypes you Mm -hmm. don't need to be that perfect body beautiful woman you could just be you and the kind of message that she embodies is so powerful it's so powerful for women um so i mean of course there's a ton of south asians that i'm looking at that are doing such cool stuff but then there's also women just around me Mm -hmm. on my team Mm -hmm. that literally are hustling day in day out they have full-time jobs but they're coming home and doing brown girl because they want to do brown girl not because anyone told them to. Right. You know, they're editing pieces. They're writing content. They're getting on a um, meeting with me at 10 p.m. on a Sunday. I Damn. basically host all my phone calls on Sunday evenings. And I host like five to six calls back to back. Not I, my friend. <laughs> Sunday evening? Nah, you can't catch me. No. <laughs> and these girls are on the phone with me. And they're doing it. They're hustling. You know, so those are the real people that are inspiring me. My, my social media team, seven girls. They are. Are they all social media strategists? <laughs> or are they just social media coordinators? <laughs> I call them social media managers. Okay, okay. <laughs> but they're all doing different things in different fields. You know, one of them is at Fox Entertainment. Another one is at a PR company. Another one is at a marketing company, you know. Um, and they're literally working with me around the clock. 8 a.m. to 11.30 is our social media you're pre- hours. You're pretty networked. I'm trying. I read somewhere that you were part of Saja. Yeah. And you were a major part of that. Or, definitely not major. There was definitely major players in Saja, but Saja was definitely really cool. For those, for those who don't know what Saja is, can you tell them? Absolutely. It's a nonprofit called um, South Asian um, Journalism Association. It was founded by Sri Srinivasam, um, who's absolutely phenomenal. He's definitely someone I totally look up to. Oh, my gosh. He's done everything. He was um, one of the first, I think, CTOs to ever be hired at the Metropolitan Museum. He was at worked with Mirabel de Blasio for the past few years. Um, he has, like, the most... He's a genuine social media media strategist. Like, that's... He's a G. He's a G. G. He's, like, the social media maven. I've definitely learned a lot of, like, tips and hacks from him, for sure. But, um, but yeah, so Saja was definitely cool. I mean, I didn't realize that there were so many South Asian journalists around. Um, I was really bad 
in all my journalism classes at Stony Brook, I never really took them that seriously. And I'll never forget it. One of this, this one professor, Barbara Selvin from Stony Brook, she hated my guts. She found me on the Saja website. Um, we were doing some sort of a, I don't remember what it was. It was some gala something. She emailed me and she goes, it looks like your journalism degree finally paid off because she <laughs> knew how bad I was. So it was just cool that like I finally figured out who I was through Saja and like actually doing it in the real world and not realizing it at school. Did your network that you built at Saja, and the reason I ask about this is because Saja is a great place for people that do exactly what you do to kind of meet, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and get to know one another. And that we have DJs, we have those groups. Every Every sort of profession has those groups. But did you being part of that help you with the writers that are working with you today? Yeah, at, definitely. At Brown Girl? Absolutely. Like, is there people that you met at Saja that are creating content for um, for Brown Girl Men? Absolutely. I hired a ton of them at ZTV as well when, during my time there. I mean, my network from Saja to Brown Girl to Z has overlapped in so many different capacities. Mm-hmm. Literally, like, every, I've... I've only hired women. I don't know if that's just a coincidence or if I'm biased. Man, but <laughs> that's some shit right there. <laughs> Definitely a little bias, I guess. But no, every person that I've brought on board for a team, it, it, they've either come from Saja, they've come from Brown Girl, or they've come from Z in some capacity, you know? And so, like, a perfect example, we recently hosted um, this really cool Me Too event where we brought together seven women to speak on their stories. Um, and all these stories were very serious. It was all about sexual harassment or assault or rape. So and some really deep topics. It was heart- heart-wrenching. I was crying, and I could barely talk when I was opening up the event. What, what, where was this event? This was in Long Island City. It mm-hmm. was at the end of March, and okay. um, one of the speakers was Karuna Chani, who you're good friends with. Another speaker was Rocky Manchani. I was just with her earlier today, and she was on the board with me at Saja. Okay. So I, I, Rocky Mirchandani? Yeah. I know her very well. Yeah, absolutely. She She's, wrote an article about me in the New York Post in 2006. Absolutely. She is one of the most well-connected. She has a rough story with her. She does, crazy. absolutely. I was just hanging out with her all day. So Karuna that's, and... That's the fam right there. Absolutely. Karuna and Rocky were just invited this afternoon for a luncheon to actually speak on the Me Too movement and it all kind of... Did you USA did that? Yeah. (laughs) I was there. (laughs) My mom was there. Was she? Absolutely. I'm so sad I didn't get to meet her. Next time. Next time. Absolutely. You got to tell her. She's Um, a big brown girl fan. Oh, sweet. Thank you. Brown auntie. (laughs) Yeah. And so I just feel like my worlds have collided and I'm grateful for it. And just having both Karuna and Rocky speak on the Me Too movement today, which was a catalyst from our event that we did in March, is phenomenal. And now we're hoping to Who started to bring the Me Toronto. Too movement? Um, like, I, how back does that go? I don't remember which. It was one Hollywood actress. I'm forgetting off the top of my head. And now it's just Spiraled. snowballed yeah. into this mega <clears throat> thing. Yeah, but not so many South are, Asians were speaking So about you're it. capturing it via Brown Girl from a South Asian woman's perspective. Absolutely. And so Karuna was the first person who she came up to me at the end of February. Mm-hmm. And I always knew that she had a story, but I didn't ever like ask. I didn't mm-hmm. dig into it. And she's like, listen, Trisha, I need to do this. I got to do, you got to help me put this together. And it was just so organic. This event was not in my event calendar. It was definitely out of budget, but it was so worth it to do. We collaborated with Saki, who of course is a nonprofit that um, helps women um, domestic violence survivors and they they also have started a sexual assault program as well in the past couple of years so my good friend who's the executive director there Kavita Mera 
Kane. I know Kavita, man. She's an amazing woman. Also, someone I definitely look Damn, up to we know for a lot sure. Of people. <laughs> <laughs> she she's is, big in the nonprofit sector. She's phenomenal. I like having her there and having her moderate that panel was one of the best decisions that we could have made because she's just so well-spoken. She's so soft-spoken. We had seven women share their story, and that's a huge burden. I could barely open the event and say hello and welcome everybody. How many people showed up? I think it was about close to 100-ish, 110. And was that invite or promoted? Like, how do you guys Yeah, we promoted it. We got so unlucky. Via Brown Girl? Yeah. Social media, Social media. email blast. Absolutely. All of that. Okay. All that good stuff. We got so unlucky because there was that really big snowstorm right at the end of March. So we right. had to postpone it to the Tuesday, actually, right before UDC. Mm-hmm. So I did Me Too and then UDC the rest of the week. But, um, but yeah, regardless, it was a beautiful event, and I think it's catalyst to a lot more. Now we're hoping to bring it to Toronto next. Um, Very so cool. So we're thinking of going to Toronto in the Toronto's fall. Toronto's a to major bring. market. Absolutely. And there's many women who are going to want to speak up and talk. So Sp- Speaking about that, I want to I wanna just talk about one topic that... Sure. Um, Sort of just, just really just upset me, uh, and that was uh, the Asifa situation. And I know you guys covered it. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- what are your thoughts on how everything went down and how everything's going down now, from a legal perspective, and just the actions that were taken against her? Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, it's it's heartbreaking. It sucks that as a publication. You know, I know that we get so many hits and clicks from content like that. Right. So that part sucks so much. You know, like I know that. But we had to spread the word that yeah. how bad this thing was. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it was terrible. I think the sucky, the really sucky part is that it just, it was done. It was like planted and it was done, you know, and parties were involved that shouldn't have been involved and it's become so political. I mean, it's like heart wrenching. It really is. And just, I can't imagine what that feels like and. You know, sitting in America, we're so far, we're so far from the Indian political climate that right. it's it's pretty shitty. And yeah. this is this is like the epitome of how shitty it is. Yeah, but hopefully, you know, it's if you always got to take one thing good at anything bad, and hopefully, it could shed light on how we need to change, right? Like, uh, well, that was kind of why I asked about it because yeah. we're over here, and you got this brown girl mag thing, but there's like. 600 or 700 million brown girls in India that also potentially, maybe some of the, I don't know how many people from back home read. Yeah, India's like top three or top four in our traffic. Mm. So for them, it's a different perspective completely. Yeah. Then you throw the mix in that there's political motivation and a child involved. Yeah. It's like what you're doing is amazing. But there's so much more work to be done. Absolutely. And we all got to play our part yeah. mm-hmm. as people in this society. And, yeah. And, and money has a lot to do with it, too. Like, if we make money, now we have a voice where we could kind of say, we got to start just making better decisions yeah. as a human people. Mm-hmm. Correct? Absolutely. So how can we help as the Butter Chicken Boys? As the Butter what Chicken Boys. What can we do to help you spread your message and just help... Uh, raise the bar uh, overall and and, and bring this equality together in terms of men and women being on the same level. The easiest thing that we can do... And all men, like not just us, but like men in general. Absolutely. The easiest thing is to talk to your younger brothers, talk to your nephews, talk to your sons, and really just educate them on 
a woman's body. Like that's all it comes down to at the end of the day. So like, let's forget about the political aspect of it and the legal aspect of it is just educating a man about a woman's body and letting them know that it, it, it is sacred and you can't just touch it whenever you want, which also stems right into the Me Too movement that's obviously um, went so viral in America. It all goes back to us having real, o honest, open conversations with our sons and then also giving that same value to our daughters and saying, hey, your body is yours and you get to decide what to do with it. Mm. And that's the easiest thing that we can do right now. So I, gems, I think that's powerful. Bars. Gems. Gems and bars across the board. And we have to do that. I have a daughter. So for me, it's like, I looked at it at a completely different perspective it's, than I might have two years ago. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I was floored by the actions, <clears> like <throat> pre anything, pre getting any information about what what transpired. But just, so for me, it's like, what can I do now? Yeah. To just be a better part of society. Yeah. To help kind of bring this equality out. Question for you: You are a wife. You're a daughter. You're the CEO of a company. How do you balance it all? Yeah, we, we opened up by you asking us now, how do you balance it? <laughs> it's so tough. I have wife guilt a lot. <laughs> One of those, huh? Wife guilt is real. I haven't been home at for dinner in maybe like five nights in a row, I think. D who Just, cooks? My husband definitely cooks a little bit more. I... Yeah. He what definitely does, he does. What does he cook? We, we eat basic stuff to be. We eat a lot of salads. You know, we'll have like, we'll try to eat like healthy like sandwiches. Um, we don't make, we use our instant pot a lot. We make like taco bowls. You make daisy food at all? <laughs> I don't yet. I really want to. I crave dal chavo all the time. That's why I had, when you I You know had who the butter. chutney life is on Instagram? Absolutely. Pollock and I are good friends. You rock with the chutney life? Absolutely. I. She, she cooks some dope shit and very simple stuff. She made the best bao baji pasta at my apartment. <laughs> oh, no word? Like wow. two months ago. Sounds slim. She was so good. We did a series. We did an eight-episode special with TV Asia Okay. Um, called South Asian Speak Louder, the Brown Girl Magazine edition. Okay. And that was actually a pure collaboration. I brought on three. See? You did? You were talking about collabs. <laughs> I forget about all the collabs <laughs> I did. But no, so we brought on three women for mm -hmm. every episode, and each episode was broken up into different industries. Mm-hmm. So this one where Pollock was on, it was all about um, lifestyle bloggers. So I brought on... Miriam Shah, who focuses on lifestyle and clothing, and Balak does food. And then we had Nikki Dodani, who's more fashion and stylist-oriented. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then so each episode, episode was broken down. I brought one where it was just women in tech. I did one where it was fashion design designers. So that's where I had Manga Rao. I had Amy Devon, my good friend from Philly. I had Bijal from Stylish Couture. Bora. Of course, Bora. I'm sure you know her, obviously. Um, so, yeah, so that was a cool collaboration that we did, and the episodes just aired through March, mid-April. March through mid-April. You're doing a lot. <coughs> so you never figured, told us how you balance yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> how do I balance it all? I mean, what I do you is... You said you have wife guilt and you eat salads. That's yeah, right. that's it. Well, I'm trying to eat salads. <laughs> she, she eats more salads than so I do. So good. <laughs> he so makes good. very good ones. You guys got to come over. No, I mean, for me, I mean... I mean, I get into trouble all the time. You know, Ash is always like, get off your phone. That's it. You're done. You know, no more emails. That's mm -hmm. it. No one wants to hear from you. No one cares, you know. Um, and so I, 
I try my best to make it up in whatever capacity that I can, mm-hmm. you know. So I know that this Saturday, it's all just a shisha night, even though I'm hosting I Mother's Day. It. So I have to still figure out Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> so I told him, I was like, we're going to hang out all day, but I got to figure out Mother's Day and our menu and food. You're going to feel really empty inside if you can't go on Instagram. Absolutely. <laughs> no. Absolutely. The Absolutely. hustle is real. The hustle is real. And, you know, I just, I'm in this place, especially because, you know, I just took this huge. I know. It's a big deal. This huge risk. And I feel so guilty because I, you know, I left a pretty cool full-time gig and I left a full-time salary with bonus and all this and that. And, and I know that Ashish is taking good care of us and I'm grateful that his company is doing well. But the guilt is real. Did anyone tell you when you were about to do this that you're making a big mistake and you shouldn't do it? No one told me. No one told you that? No. So everyone supported you? Literally. And I have a ton of friends. Maybe they... So that means everyone really believes in you. I hope. Do you think that, would, did you, do you think that would be the same if you told each one of those people that said, yeah, go for it. Hey, I need $1,000, but I guarantee I'll pay you back. I'd probably get like a chunk of that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, I, I, maybe one fourth. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I definitely, I'm grateful and I'm blessed. And I'm, I'm always trying to just tell the sheets that what you're letting me do is beyond. And I need to make up for it in whatever way, whether it's me trying to make more dinner or I wash the dishes, salad I do the laundry. Salad. Make good salads. My wife makes amazing salads. I'm very grateful. I'm more grateful that for that than any other meal Absolutely. Is when I get a good salad. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a blessing. And the same as you, right? I always keep them up to date with my calendar. Yeah. You know, so I always make sure, like, I send him cal- calendar invites all the time. So that's oh, a big God, thing that too? I do. I, I get hair wash calendar invites. <laughs> My calendar is pretty epic for sure. And that's the only thing that's the only thing that keeps we me sane. We live by that, right? I live by Seals. my calendar. <clears throat> Absolutely. And so I do tell him ahead of time, hey, listen, you know, so today I, I had three things back to back. And I was like, I may not be home until 11-ish, you know. Right. And I tell him, you make your own plans. I want you to make your own. So he's out with a few boys today. And oh, he always chilling. has his meetings and this and that and the other. They at the strip club. <clears throat> <laughs> There's a bunch in Long Island City. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> my friend's DJ. I've never been. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's, it'll all be worth it in the end, and I hope so. And I'm sure he loves you tremendously. Absolutely. We've been together for eight years. Yeah, <clears throat> Gucci. We met in college. You know, I we've been through literally everything post grad. Um, he was in a fraternity. I was in a sorority. So we've been through Greek life as well together, which is a huge testament to being together in college. You know, hell yeah. I've watched him grow out his passion project and now turn into a full fledged company. So he gets is that it. in the tech or media space? Yeah. So he has um, a startup called LawTrades.com. It's a marketplace for attorneys. Wow. It's like ZocDoc, but for legal help. Wow, so you guys plug. are super digital family. Definitely, yeah. He, I mean, he's my. That's. I think that's guy. why. That's also why. That's probably part of the reason why he could support you wholeheartedly. He does. He literally he will. Yeah. He will help me. In every, I cannot tell you how many times he's faked pretending to be me because he's trying <laughs> to get me pitches. He's trying to get me sales right. all the time. He'll be. You know. He will literally g chat me. Do you make your me. pitch decks? Do you make your own? <clears throat> Absolutely. I'm obsessed with my pitch deck. I update it like every, what, like month, two months? I haven't updated in three months, which is a long time. So, no, so I, we have a media kit, rate card, everything. You know, I mean, I'm, what, how we make our revenue is through selling campaigns to brands. And right. I sell them on content, email, social media, events, photo shoots, video shoots. I'm going to go a little left because something came up to me. I, I was in a conversation with another 
uh, group of people who are in a similar <coughs> space as you yesterday. Um, this is a purely business question. Do you go for non-South Asian brands with your pitch decks and with your rate cards and with your sales approach to talk so that those particular mainstream brands can buy into the South Asian community. Do you do that? And do you have good luck when you do that? <clears throat> so we definitely are very adept at promoting brands that are South Asian. I see that. Okay. I've only <clears throat> worked with a very limited number of non-South Asian brands. So that is definitely my big business goal for this year, finally, is to now not just go to the companies that are approaching us because 99% of the companies that you're seeing that we promote, they've co they're companies that have reached out to us. So it's a very easy sell. I know I'm going to sell mm. because they've come to us and they're interested. Um, <clears throat> the harder sell is for me to go to bigger non-South Asian mainstream brands that want to market in this niche community. And I know that we have the numbers to back it up. <clears throat> Do we? Definitely. <laughs> well, I know big brands were investing in the South Asian community for years, like Ford. Absolutely. Was doing a it. lot of definitely a lot of auto auto companies for sure. Yeah. Pepsi was doing it, but that's when the CEO was a South Asian, mm -hmm. so it was a little you know, it was I, I don't know how real that was or how what where the longevity was. But we work with major brands. I yeah. don't know if you know our track record or who we work with and what we do. Absolutely. I mean the most recent one, you're wearing the kicks and <laughs> <laughs> Right. So for that, they invested in our community. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But that was an obvious one. They had to invest in our community for that particular project. Mm -hmm. But that's project-driven, and there's no longevity or, mm -hmm. like, retainers given. With <clears throat> Do you feel that if you and four or five other like-minded people, like we run a production agency, you run a content site, um, and you're a social media strategist, Right. Do you feel that if we all got together, right, like people from our community in general and strategized a little bit stronger, a little bit faster and a little bit kind of with our own sort of uh, we bring our own stuff to the table. Do you think that we can get mainstream brands to buy into our community at a greater level in the space that we're in currently? Beauty bloggers are doing it right now. They're working with every single beauty company there is. And that's the space that South Asian women are literally dominating. We just worked with Huda, Be Huda Beauty. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of her? Absolutely. We She's just like did a big project with her. The like, maven of beauty, yeah. Right, yeah. So you're right. In the beauty space, it's... Why is that? Yeah, why I was, is it I was in the beauty space? Why is that? <clears throat> well, imagine like uh, in the sports space, like we got no athletes. <laughs> Because we like the one sport that's recognized. Singular. No, but not even. Not even. Yeah, not even. No, you, I know. Like cricket is is the biggest. No, I'm in. saying sports in the United States. Right. <clears throat> because, like I said, I, no I, South Asian right now is ever at this point is getting a deal from. It's like I an mean, influencer. There's, there's a few, like you mentioned, Symbol or this guy. Uh, I forget his, last, his first name, but Mahotra. He played in the NHL. He's from Canada. Yeah. Very rare. Though. Very rare. There's a uh, few kids playing in college, like Yale, Harvard. Right. Yeah. So at few, some yeah. point, it's going to... Sports, it's going to come up. Yeah. Right. There's a few, especially because, I mean, the NBA is investing a lot in India now. So I'm sure we'll get an Indian guy from India to come through. Do you think beauty because of, like, self-image <clears throat> and, like, how India portrays it? Like, Fair and Lovely, for example, is, is a, a product that, that's marketed to Indian women that makes you lighter skinned, which 
then by default you're more beautiful if you have lighter colored skin. It's yeah, I mean most of I mean every single beauty blogger is against fair and lovely and of course they're of course. they're trying their hardest to work with brands that believe in the opposite, which is really cool because a lot of American brands are already doing that. Mm-hmm. But you know it's it's pretty cool to watch just like countless number of beauty bloggers slash influencers just dominate. They're working with Coverbow. CoverGirl, Revlon, you know, L'Oreal, every single brand that we grew up, they're working with, and now there's a million new ones, and they're just killing the game. I mean, there's definitely, like, a cool group of maybe 15 or maybe 20 that are getting a lot of the big gigs right now with beauty brands. You worked at the South Asian International Film Festival, right? I did, yeah. What'd you do there? I was their social media strategist. (laughs) (laughs) They did pretty good because it popped off. Yeah. So Strong. with them, I, I noticed that they were able to get some some big. They got HBO. They were able to get some big checks <clears throat> from big mainstream brands. Yeah, for uh, sure. And you were a part of that. No, I just did social media. You, I wasn't a part of the business aspect, really. God, yeah. but social media helps drive brands to of course to see what's happening, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, of course. So I think I think we need to continue the conversation and let get this money. Absolutely. That's what I think. We did, a, we did a campaign with Mass Mutual that was definitely cool and different and not beauty related, you know. So we've done a little bit in the non-South Asian market. There's more to be done. And I, I'm that, this year as I'm trying to do that. I think strategic <laughs> partnerships and collaboration with people from our age group and our community need to happen fast and need to happen now. And the, everything's on the table for us and we just have to kind of present ourselves in the proper way to get it done. Absolutely. I think that's what it is, Sharad. Just being more outspoken. Yeah, like well, uh, with facts too, of course, with facts. But just in general, just just being visible and being out there in people's bro, faces. Oh, you got a metrics guy and a social media strategist and the production <laughs> guru, bro. I'm the That's, production boy. I don't know how I feel <laughs> about this title anymore, Sharad. <laughs> I mean, it's popping. CEO. <laughs> no, um, I'm, I'm trying to put together a woman of color retreat for the end of August. Woman of color, like not just brown then. Definitely brown. Yellow. But <laughs> definitely Yellow and brown, black too. But I um, I know Brown. Like, right. that's my mainstay. So, right. of course, I'm happy and always open to non-South Asians, and I want to venture into that world. That will be amazing. I need to. I definitely yeah. want to, and I need to. There's We have amazing... Um, th- there's amazing... Um, there's amazing community of people of color in general, and I think it's budding so well right now. But f- specifically for this Woman of Color retreat, I'm really trying to go after non-South Asian brands to help us fund this retreat so we can actually fly out some cool people to be on panels and workshops. And the whole concept behind it is to bring together South Asian creatives who either have a full-time job and are hustling or have quit their full-time job. When is that going to be? We're hoping for August 18th weekend. I'd love to talk to you guys about that off the record. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, so, I mean, it, we want to do panels and workshops, you know? So panels on literally the same topic, the science of storytelling on Instagram. Because you're right. You said it before. It's a science. Yeah. Or a workshop on how to record a podcast. That's pretty cool. You know, how to record a video. How does a beauty blogger do it? A to Z, just sitting in her apartment and right. producing content that's seeing millions of views. That's the concept of the, the retreat. But I want to bring on non-South Asian um, brands for it. Your boss. Yeah, you out here. I'm trying. You have a lot of ideas. Um, I think the knowledge and 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 sort of wisdom you've shared with us and today has been phenomenal. I want to ask you if you have any words of advice or words of wisdom um, for the youth, for people that want to start their own business, for people that want to get into these non traditional 
career paths, what what is something you can tell uh, the youth, um, specifically the brown girls that listen? I mean, let's, that's like who you talk to daily. So, mm-hmm. what can you talk? What can you tell them? Um, sort of words of wisdom or inspiration? Yeah, absolutely. Keep chipping at it. That's it. I've been doing Brown Girl for almost seven years, um, and I have taken zero breaks, even though I have felt a million times that I'm going nowhere. I took off 25 days only for my wedding and honeymoon, and that's it. And even then, I was like, wired, you know? But keep chipping at it. Even if you wake up in the morning feeling like complete crap, even if you only did two hours of work on your side hustle, even if you sent out just one email and you made one new connection on Instagram or whatever... Just do it. Just literally just keep chipping away at it. And that's what I'm doing at Brown Girl. Like, Brown Girl doesn't have a million followers, right? We saw 2 million page views last year. I'm content with it. But it is, is it enough? Absolutely not, you know? I mean, I am still chipping at it, and I'm going to continue doing it, and the hustle can never stop. So that means I have to be on my phone at 1130 because this is our time to do or it. Or hire someone to do it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm grateful for the team around me. Like, I have so many amazing people around me. But at the end of the day, I think it's when you put in the work, it makes a huge difference. You know, your wife was saying that. I mean, you could want to take a day off, but they still want DJ Sherrod. I'm nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Sherrod eats humble pie every morning. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I guess that's it. You know, you just got to keep doing your thing. Absolutely. As you build it, I think so. Yeah, I think so. so. I'm going to keep trying. You're doing it. And we we salute you. Definitely. We commend you. Thank you, guys. Uh, We have a lot of respect for you. Thank you. I believe this is not going to be our last conversation. Absolutely not. Definitely. And uh, more power to the brown girls and brown girl mag. That's it. Where can they find you on social? Please tell them. Absolutely. Please tell our our listeners where they can find you and all all your content. This is the first time I'm really trying to, like, build a personal brand. I've always kind of been just behind Brown Girl. A million people out there have no idea who Brown Girl even is. Um, so I'm finally coming out there and talking more about me, and that's cool. So, yeah, find me at T.S.T. Sakuja. Are you private? Are you private? <laughs> I'm public. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm trying to build. <laughs> I'm trying to build that following. But so, um, yeah, so I'm at T. Sakuja underscore Walia on Instagram. Um, and then other than that, follow everything Brown Girl, which is at Brown Girl Mag on Instagram, at Brown Girl Mag on Twitter, and Brown Girl Magazine on Facebook. And, of course, check out the website because we are publishing content 365 days of the year, browngirlmagazine.com. Love it. Love it, man. Trisha, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, stories, gems, bars today. Um, I think a lot of people will take a, you know, a lot of good things away from this, and we commend you, salute you, and again, thank you so much for being here with us. Um, from the Butter Chicken Boys, we support Brown Girl Magazine. We support Brown Girls. You know you just did an Indian goodbye, right? I did. You repeated the exact same shit I said three minutes ago. Not, not verbatim. Are we, are we? I mean, basically. No. I could hear it all over again. Like, can you do another one? Like, this is great. I love this. <laughs> You're going to close out, Juicy? Every time I feel like I need confidence. Yo, you confidence. out. You oh. out. <laughs> <laughs> see, close out. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of the Butter Chicken Podcast with DJ Sherrod and DJ Juicy. Please make sure to check us out on all podcasting platforms and also to find us on Instagram at Butter Chicken Podcast. That is the hub. It'll take you everywhere else. Thank Where you. is that again on Instagram? Butter Chicken Podcast. Ah, you got it right this time. I know. 
Butter Chicken Podcast, Butter Chicken Boys. We out here. Good night. God bless. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Peace.